Let's go to our ring announcers. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go beyond the bell. All right. Do you know? Do you know anything about Hulkamania? Hulkamania. Hulkamania. Uh, if you want me to. <laughs> What is Hulkamania? Well, Hulkamania is the newest thing, Johnny. It's the thing that is sweeping the country. I'm sure some of these guys over here might know about it. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Welcome back, fans, to another edition of the show that rewinds, relives, and brings you all things retro in wrestling, Beyond the Bell on the SNS Radio Network. Your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, once again here with you as we look back at the illustrious career of the immortal Hulk Hogan as we bring you the Hulkamania Chronicles. This edition is part two as Hulkamania is born. At what point do you feel that Hulkamania truly began? Was it WrestleMania 1 or was it before that when you first beat the Sheik for the title? When do you feel Hulkamania was truly born? Well, you know, even before I, I came to uh, New York to wrestle the Iron Sheik in January of 84, I had started the Hulkamania type theme. You know, I saw, I saw the Beatlemania thing going yep. on. I said, hmm, it's not a pretty cool name. I'd started the Hulkamania thing in the AWA. Vern Gagne was a promoter, and that thing was catching on. You know, I started talking about Hulkamania in the interviews. So on, on a small, you know, territorial scale, that Hulkamania thing was on fire. And I just knew if I could get on a larger stage that this had the vibe, it had the feel, that it, was, it had legs, that there could be some traction. You know, and that's when Vince Jr. gave me a call, and he says, hey, I'd like to talk. You know, we were just getting ready to to make our move, and I went back to work for Vince Jr. Mm. You know, talking about uh, this man, the Iron Sheik, a photo of him here, <laughs> Sheik in his older days, around about uh, just a recent photo, is it true or urban legend that he was offered $100,000 to break your leg in that championship match at Madison Square Garden? He's the one that said he was. I mean, he, he said Vern Gagne because when I was in the AWA in Minnesota, there had been a tug of war with Vern and I. Mm-hmm. And when Vince McMahon came, Vince Jr., flew into Minnesota, uh, we talked and we made a deal about four or five in the morning. We shook hands and I was going to go back to New York and tear the place down, you know. And when I left, Vern Gagne was very upset. No one's ever done this in the wrestling business. No one's ever just walked out, which isn't true. Yeah. But Vern Gagne was, oh my gosh, he, no one's ever done this. And so the sheet tells us after the match after it's all over you know when when everything is done you know 
that Vern Gagne had offered him $100,000 to break my leg. But that's the story from the Sheik. So whether it's true or not, I, I don't know. It's the Sheik story. So On January 23rd, 1984, in Madison Square Garden in New York City, Hogan appeared to the song Eye of the Tiger and defeated the Iron Sheik to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. With a sold-out Madison Square Garden crowd cheering on their newfound hero, Hogan summoned the will and strength to power his way back up to his knees, rising to his feet, with the Sheik attempting in vain to keep Hogan entrenched in his infamous signature hold, the Camel Clutch. The challenger then charged backward and squashed the despised Iranian against the turnbuckles, dropping him to the canvas. Hogan had done what no other wrestler in history had been able to do, break the unbreakable camel clutch. Feeling the positive energy from the jam-packed audience, Hogan ran the ropes and came crashing down on the champion with a thunderous atomic leg drop. Referee Jack Lotz dropped to the mat and slapped it three times at the 5 minute 40 second mark. Madison Square Garden exploded into jubilation for Hulk Hogan had just won his first World Wrestling Federation Championship. Hulkamania was born. A stunning win for a newcomer to the organization. Hulkamania was about to run nationally and universally. He celebrated with Andre the Giant and several others with a bottle of champagne. He's starting to shake. He's got to reach down inside for that little something extra. Look at his power his way up. He's made it to its knees. That takes the effect away from the hole. Hulk Hogan now stands up for the Sheik and Rams into the top five ball. After winning the championship, Hogan stopped challenges from Nikolai Volkov in Toronto, Brutus Beefcake in Miami, and the Iron Sheik. David Schultz, Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, and Randy Savage were also awaiting in the wings. He lost a bloody match to Big John Studd by countout, but in the midst of their feud, Hogan was able to body slam his opponent to the awe of the audiences. On June 14th of 1984, Anoki beat Hogan by countout in Tokyo to win the IWGP world title. Hogan also began appearing to the song I Am a Real American by Rick Derringer, which had been originally used for the U.S. Express, Barry Windham, and Mike Rotundo. The song became synonymous with Hogan and his popularity. When fans heard it, they erupted into a maddening explosion. Hogan wrestled Roddy Piper at Madison Square Garden in February of 1985. 
The wild match ended with, with Hogan, Piper, and Mr. T, as well as Paul Orndorff, all battling it out. The New York City police had to restore order. A feud was spawning, but that wasn't the only thing Hogan had to look forward to. In the 1980s, Hulk Hogan, the performer, Vincent K. McMahon, the promoter, teamed together to revolutionize professional wrestling, taking it into the mainstream media. All right, do you know, do you know anything about Hulkamania? Hulkamania? Hulkamania. Uh, if you want me to. <laughs> What is Hulkamania? Well, Hulkamania is the newest thing, Johnny. It's the thing that is sweeping the country. I'm sure some of these guys over here might know about it. I hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right, all right. Yeah, thank you. Okay, it's it's like it's like a new cult, and uh, it's like follow the leader. Everybody does what the Hulkster does. It's like truth, justice, and the Hulk Hogan way. Right. And hope today that we may be able to demonstrate or do a few things with you. So. Absolutely. I'm looking at the size of your arms. I don't believe this. I wish I had anything that big. <laughs> how, how about your bank account? Uh, bank of no. What what are uh, make a uh, well you're already making one, but uh, uh, if, if you flex that or uh, how I, hate, I hate to show off. Well, that's all right. I mean, this is uh, you are a professional, and uh, what size are your are your biceps? They're 24 inches, Johnny. Some women's waists are 24 yeah. inches, aren't they? Right. What, uh, where do you buy your clothes? Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously you don't go in off the rack. And, no, uh, the, the thing is, I have a very big problem with the clothes. Uh, I have to have everything custom made. Yeah. And uh, usually the, the problem is getting the arms in and the thighs. What, uh, how big, uh, you've got to be 50, 50 inches around the chest at least. Uh, 60. 60? 60. <laughs> <laughs> do you have, do you have most of these things, uh, most of these things made? Uh, most of the stuff like this I have made, but uh, other things I can go to a fat man store and get my legs in, them and then they just take the waist up and close everything up. Uh -huh. You are. Uh, somebody had a give me this picture here. Uh, uh -huh. It says the Ballast Point School, Miss Umsot's primary third grade, and you are. To show you what you look like in the third grade, you can. I thought for a moment you were the fellow on the right in the picture there, but obviously this is the teacher, right? <laughs> if you are right, right here, but you're still bigger than all the kids in the third grade, right? Where'd you get that picture? I, somebody, uh, <laughs> I, it's yours. It's not mine. <laughs> Hogan became the leading role model for children across the United States and around the world. No other athlete in the world at that time in any other sport commanded such a loyal following from young America. The tanned, muscular champion with the infamous 24-inch pythons, brother, referring to his biceps, spread the word of his three demandments, in which he urged his young Hulkamaniacs to train, see their prayers, and eat their vitamins. He would add a fourth demandment in 1990, believe in yourself, brother. Other people's backyards crossing imaginary boundaries. We were going into territorial promotions. I mean, I was crossing these lines, going down to Puerto Rico, having a gun stuck in my mouth, saying, hey, you don't wrestle here. You know, going to Kansas City with Harley Race, was a champion for 20 years, telling his neighbors, his kids, everybody in the whole community that he was a real champion. Harley Race in Kansas City, and all of a sudden you get the WWF Hulk Hogan going, hey, brother, I'm the only real champion coming in his backyard. So there were challenges more than just in the ring. And uh, I just didn't know 
who was going to live the longest, me or Vince McMahon, but thank God we both survived. But, you know, the wrestlers were mad. We were changing the business. But all of a sudden, when they got more than just a payoff from wrestling, and they started getting payoffs from merchandise and licensing and from music and from animation, they went, oh, my gosh, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan are really bad guys. They're making the world a better place for wrestlers. His popularity grew to heights never before seen by any other wrestler in North America and translated into huge merchandising with action figures, children's workout sets, clothing, games, posters, and other products flooding the market. The sport itself was experiencing a revolution. Not since the golden age of television in the 1950s had professional wrestling experienced a renaissance of this magnitude. Renowned celebrities such as Andy Warhol, Donald Trump, and others were seen attending matches. The success Hogan himself achieved helped garner him several television and movie roles, as well as a permanent place in the annals of American pop culture. Hogan even starred in his own CBS Saturday morning animated series titled Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. Boy, I love that show. The Hulkster's fabled World Wrestling Federation Championship run would last four years, 13 days, which was the longest championship reign in two decades. That is a championship run. As champion, the Hulkster turned back a variety of capable challengers, including Dr. D. David Schultz, Big John Studd, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndor. Two people so close as you and I, man, like blood brothers. I can't believe you sold me out for nothing. You sold me out every jealousy. But when I look around, I see a few confused people. Some of your people, man, the ones that aren't Hulkamaniacs. Those people, let me lay it out straight for you, some straight talk. God created the heaven, he created the earth, he created all the Hulkamaniacs, then he created a set of 24 pythons, brother. And the reason for it is to straighten people up like you, Mr. Wonderful. People that don't have their priorities in order, who don't realize who the boss is, man. Well, for you, Mr. Wonderful, your time is here tonight, brother. And when I think about it, you know, the old Mr. Wonderful's back like you got a new paint job or something. Big deal. I'm the old battered down, broken down holster that just keeps running better than ever, man. Loyalty's what it's all about. Ultimate trust. The bond between me and my Hulkamaniacs. And old Mr. Wonderful, I'm going to smoke right by you. But just remember one thing, dude. You're an old dog, man, that can't even wag his own tail. There's no way you're ever going to beat me. It shall be written. The holster said it shall be done. Your time is now, Mr. Wonderful. On March 31st, 1985, WrestleMania emanated live from Madison Square Garden. I was so lucky to be a part of that event. You know, we might have to make another circle here, man, because I saw that high protein on that other road. All right, wheels, wheels, man. And back here, they got my favorite juice. Let's, let's get the juice right now. All, All right, right. Sounds fix good. me up my favorite juice here. For me, double for me, and triple double for the Hulkster. <laughs> All right, because we're going to get the Piper. Don't get on dark. All right, what you got here? All right, this is a little, uh, uh, well, what is this here? Carrot 
Carrot juice, yeah, carrot juice is good. All right, what's this here right here? Wheatgrass, all right, let's try some of this wheatgrass. You ever had some wheatgrass? I don't know about that, it's man. It's good, you know, man. It makes you mean. It makes you mean. It's the only thing I don't want. I don't want no milk in my protein. Hey, don't man. put no milk no in milk. it. Milk no, for babies. Man, no, no milk. No milk. No milk. All right, put some milk, car grease, motor oil, anything in there but milk. Now, what's this here? Is right here? What is this here? Wheatgrass. 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 Well, we ain't gonna mess with that because it's that grass. You know, we no, don't no, mess with no, no, no grass. No, no, no. All right. But we can eat some wheat bread, though. What uh, wheat bread? Let's see. Uh, uh, where's the wheat bread? All right, where's the wheat bread? Hurry up with the juices, cause we're hungry. All right, we just got no, the pumping. That ninety percent protein, no fat. Protein, no, no fat, no fat. And give me a couple of them bananas. All right, couple of them bananas. And get the orange, get the good stuff in here. All right, all right. You want some bananas, man? Ooh, Banana, man. potassium, whatever it is. All right, it's good. So we eat this here while we waiting on to make the juices and whatnot. You know, when you talked about drilling warfare, man, yeah, man, I didn't know we were going to eat bananas, but the thing is, bananas, bananas make you swing, man. Swing to the feet. Swing off the rope, man. Grab them. Bananas swing, man. You know, the jungle. Gorillas. Gorilla wall. Yeah, that's I got right, man. That right. one almost went over my head. That's yeah, right, man. It's all right, man. It's I didn't right. know you were going to be this it's serious, right, man. man. Look at me split, man. You have me pumping that iron, baby. Man, I'm ready, man. This is your drink, right? All right, you try something, all right? Do you like it? Huh? All right. Jesus, T, what is that? That's all right, man. That's all right. Makes you mean, man. Makes hair on your head, man. Something different all right, like switch, it. switch, switch. All right. All right. Ah. Man, that is terrible. It's rough, man, but it makes you mean. Keep me mean, man. So you, you drink some of this here? I'll tell you, really be ready. I pity the food. I pity them. They're dead meat. The event, which was seen by over 1 million fans via closed-circuit television, featured the Hulkster in the main event, teaming with television star Mr. T, Pity the Fool, to defeat Piper and Orndorff in a tag team match. You know, I just got done saying my prayers, man, and I just got ready to start hanging and banging, and when I started to squeeze the bar, brother, when I started to pump the 24-inch pythons, man... Yes, I did feel the pain, you know. Yes, I did feel the separation in the lower ribs, the small muscles of the lower back, you know. And when I felt that pain, man, all it did was drive me on, made me train harder. Because King Kong Bundy, mastermind magnificent Morocco, and the henchman Bobby Heenan, they set me up, brother. And I lived this thing every day, man. Yes, I lived with the pain, man. I can handle it, though, you know. Because I get a chairman of the board, let's say. My main man, Mr. T, right here, the chairman of the board of the Hulk Hogan Battle Creed of Ethics. That's right, brother, that's right. The first thing on the agenda says, never surrender. Never. Tell him, man, tell him. The second thing says, even if your body says no, your spirit always will. Tell him, tell him, they don't hear you. the last thing is, when everything's on the line and all those Hulkamaniacs are waiting for you, whether you're busted from head to toe, Uh if you've got one good hand left, brother... You crawl towards that ring uh-huh, with everything yeah, you yeah. got. You climb in that steel cage. Uh-huh. And then King Kong Bundy, if you want the gold, brother, yeah. if you feel like selling your soul, Tell then try to beat me, man. That's right. Try to beat me down in the center of the ring. Because, Mr. T, brother, That's right. there's no way with all the things no way, man. going with uh-huh. us, all the Hulkamaniacs, you better believe you on my side, brother. Are you? No way, King Kong Bundy. Somebody so negative, somebody so far in the uh-huh. dark, 
is going to take all the Talk life, to him, brother. all the spirit, everything we believe in away from they us. They don't hear you. They don't hear you. Los Angeles, you better hear me. Uh-huh. I'm coming home. I'm going back for my pride. I'm going to get back at King tell Kong, him, buddy. Tell him. And the steel's cage that we're climbing in is going to leave a lot of nasty scars on That's King right. Kong Bundy. That's right. Hogan was the key to everything. Roddy, Roddy Piper. Double team, maybe triple team effort here. Oh, nice save by Mr. T. As Piper was about to lower the ball. Look now. Oh, unbelievable. With the cash. Down for the cover. Pat Patterson. He got out. moved out of the way and cowboy bob orton hit mr wonderful paul orndorff with the cast ace orton delivering the blow to beat his own team orton still flat down in the ring orndorff on his back rowdy just knocks out pat patterson with one shot rowdy rowdy piper hitting referee pat patterson in this business, you're taught to take care of number one. And that's what Roddy did. I wrestled him several, several times in WWF. Never beat him. And he gave a lot to this business. I'm just saying, what would have happened if there was plan B? And Piper really would have opened himself up and put his guard down just a little bit. Because he was in this business, you can't trust too many people. And at that time, I can understand why his guard was up. I just wondered what would happen if his guard would have came down a little and we'd have done some serious business instead of just messing around. But it all wasn't positive, though. He was on the television show Hot Properties, hosted by comedian Richard Belzer. Hogan demonstrated a front face lock on Belzer, and during the instructional episode, the comedic host fell to the floor and hit his head. He needed eight stitches to close the wound suffered. Belzer later sued Hogan and Titan Sports and settled out of court. On the positive side, Hogan and Mr. T, his WrestleMania partner, co-hosted Saturday Night Live. The night before the special event, a national promotional scheme, many celebrities lined up for WrestleMania. Liberace, Billy Martin, and Muhammad Ali all had parts in the main event. Cindy Lauper, a musical superstar at the time, was Wendy Richter's manager in her match. There was a lot of jealousy because nobody understood what Vince was doing. You know, Vince was way outside the box from what his father did. His father had a, a vision. Uh, the standard vision of being the best wrestling company and staying very territorial. Vince had a character called Hulk Hogan that he knew would appeal to middle America and, and to the whole world. It was just the timing was impeccable. You had this all-American hero that says he's from California with the blonde hair and the golden tan and his morals are training prayers and vitamins. It was the ultimate perfect character that would transcend any language any barrier and, and the physicalities of the way this character looked and the actions in the ring that transcended and translated in any language so he put everything on the line for Wrestlemania and I just remember there were so many wrestlers that were jealous there was a, a wrestler named David Schultz Dr. D who thought Wrestlemania was his idea to bring Mr. T in and it wasn't it was Vince's idea um, I had become friends with Mr. T because I was doing the A-team and of course I told Vince, hey, it would be great if we got this guy in the ring. And at, at the time, nobody had, had done that with celebrities, but I knew the guy 
had an amateur wrestling background from, from high school, and since he was an actor, I figured if we could keep him calmed down, we could pretty much pull it off. Uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff was a, a redneck kid from Brandon, Florida, and he had a reputation. He just lived a few miles away from here. He's a real redneck-type kid, and, and just even when he got in the wrestling business, he had that same mentality. You know, Mr. T's not a wrestler. He's an actor. We're going to break his leg. And at the time, Roddy Piper mm. had that same mentality. Nobody had switched gears yet. We're going to protect this business. And, you know, even if we shoot our own selves in the foot, we're going to hurt this guy. So basically, I had to have long conversations, you know, with Piper and Orndorff. Look, don't hurt this guy. There's a huge opportunity. Vince wants to do something that's never been done before and, and make everybody household worldwide stars. And this is the, the diving board for us to take off on. So, you know, it took a while to calm the wrestlers down. And Mr. T was really, really good at working out and getting in the ring. And, and there's a lot of conditioning that goes on, especially with your nerves. Yeah. When you get in the ring, you can be very calm talking with me here now. But if I step in a ring with you in front of 40,000 people in a wrestling world, I don't know what happens, but your demeanor changes inside. Your, your energy and your nerves, will, believe me, will change if I've got my red and yellow stuff and I'm staring you down. I don't care if you're an MMA fighter or what. It just The whole thing changes for some reason. So I was worried about that with Mr. T, but once we got through the match, you know, and, and, and if, you, if you do watch the end of the match, you'll see how out of gas Mr. T was. He couldn't even hardly stand up. But once we got through the match, we knew we hit a home run. We knew that we were off and running, and that WrestleMania was the pivotal point to take the Hulk Hogan character and showcase wrestling to make it a household name in every foreign country and to take this little teeny territorial company, the WWF, along for the ride with it. Whether the WWF was the, the machine behind the man or the machine and the man were one, it was a long, beautiful ride. And it's amazing that yeah. Vince and I could be, like Vince and I, when we were together, we were such a great team. I mean, two sticks are harder to break than one. When we were together, we were just... Whatever his strong points were, we'd run with it. Whatever my strong points were, we'd run with it. Whatever his shortcomings were, we'd cover it. Or whatever my shortcomings were, we were a great team, and we always were. And, uh, and it just shows how strong both entities are, that we're still both alive now and running. Hogan pinned Orndorff, like we said, to win the main event. And it, it, was, it was entertaining throughout the entire match. Like we said, PWI rated, rated honors as match of the year. Um, and when you look back at that match, very simple in terms of the layout and how it was called, it was just the spectacle of the main event that made it so special. WrestleMania was a major success, not only for the fans of the sport, but for those who had been subjected to its national coverage on magazines and television. New fans were born, and Hogan's following grew. He met Don Morocco in April of 1985 at Madison Square Garden for the title and lost by countout. A rematch was immediately scheduled, and some thought Hogan's reign at the top was about over. He didn't lose the belt. Hogan appeared on the April 29, 1985 cover of Sports Illustrated, becoming the only professional wrestler in history to have graced the cover of, the, of that magazine. Danny Hodge had appeared on the cover of several, de uh, several decades earlier, but as an amateur wrestler. At this time, heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan from Venice Beach, California, putting that coveted title of his on the line against none other 
than the Brutus Beefcake. Well, you know me, Gene, I like getting on an Oakland, California, man, because I kind of get to bend the rules a little bit, because all those Hulkamaniacs out there, they're just like my man Stallone. First blood, man, instinct alone. Go for broke no matter what it takes. Hang on to that WWF title. You know, Hulk, you've got a little bit of that Rambo in yourself, you know. You know, you're exactly right. That's why the people of Oakland get off on me. They don't care if I come riding up in a big, long limousine or with a 24-inch pythons hanging off a big hog. But the thing is... Brutus Beefcake, number one contender, brother. This is more than just a war, more than just a wrestling match, man. You broke the hillbilly's leg intensely, I might add, after he had the dude almost beat me, Gene. I, uh, indeed, I recall that down at San Diego, yes. And there's one other thing. This big, bad number one contender, Brutus Beefcake, who admits he's from... San Francisco, no big deal, has been hanging around with one Greg the Hammer Valentine, another dude that likes busting people up and breaking them up, you know. So the way I figure it, with Beefcake in the ring, he's going to have that sleazy manager, Johnny Valiant, in his corner. His number one priority is going to be to get this belt. But if I don't watch my back, they're going to try to bust me up. You had That's not going to happen in Oakland. You had better believe in Oakland, the Coliseum Arena this Monday night, Hulk Hogan. Hogan suffered a serious knee injury in a match against John Studd. Surgery was needed to repair the limb, and Hogan was out for some time. He faced Stud in a grudge match before an estimated 50,000 fans at the Ohio State Fairgrounds on August 13th of 85. In Columbus, Hogan pinned Stud to retain the WWF world title. He gave Terry Funk a title shot on January 4th of 1986 in Tampa on Saturday night's main event. It was a good match if you look back at the, at the footage. Hogan beat the former NWA world champion. It was a significant win. With me at this time, the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, readying for a title defense tonight against Hercules. And of course, Hulk, it happens on your own home turf here in Southern California. And thank God, Mean Gene, I've got my pump back, man. You know, the pythons are ready, the largest arms in the world. And I'm glad they are because I checked this dude, Hercules, out, man. He's got the body of a god. He even looks like the real Hercules, and he's definitely stronger, man. But I checked the dude out even farther. He could have been a Greek god. He could have been an immortal. And you know something, Mean Gene? Since he's guided by Bobby the Weasel Heenan, I trained for the dude like he was an immortal brother. I've been hanging out in the Garden of Eden with my main squeeze Eve. I dove 20,000 leagues under the sea, 40 nights and 40 days. I hung and bung on the Titanic and Hercules. This is where the power lies. Just the point that I wanted to make, Hulk Hogan. Yes, there will be diverted attentions tonight with the presence of Hercules' new manager, Bobby Heenan. Well, you know, it's the same old story with this weasel man. He keeps throwing them at me, and I keep knocking them down. But you know, Hercules, you're just like everybody else, man. Top shelf you are because you're guided by Bobby the Weasel Heenan. But you're in my way, man. You're on my hit list, and you shall feel the pythons, brother. And when I'm done with you, hopefully I'll get that little weasel in this 24-inch python and squeeze his head. But I'm going to the top of the family, Mean Gene. Hercules, you shall feel the wrath of the pythons. You shall feel the wrath of Hulkamania. This is where the power lies. All right, get ready. Hulk Hogan, a title defense. Vince McMahon, let's go back to you. During a February 1986 edition of Piper's Pit, Hogan explained that he had a friend, quote-unquote, that wanted to box Bob Orton Jr. Mr. T was 
was the person and the two met on March 1st, 1986 edition of Saturday Night's main event in Phoenix, Arizona. It was made very clear that King Kong Bundy wanted a piece of Hogan and Bobby Heenan was guided was guiding Bundy towards a title bout. That night in Phoenix also saw Hogan defend his title against the number one contender, Don Morocco. Morocco was accompanied by Heenan, who was substituting for Mr. Fuji at that time. Even if Hogan won, Heenan was going to do anything to complicate his status in the main event of the next pay-per-view. Hogan defeated Morocco by disqualification when the manager attacked him. Bundy was next to enter the ring and attack the champion, delivering an avalanche into the corner ring post, another to his ribs and one to his back. Doctors and wrestlers both ran out to assist after the trio left the ring. Hogan was carried out and taken to a nearby hospital. He was said to have suffered a cerebral or brain concussion and lower back injuries in the attack. Two days later, Hogan appeared in Madison Square Garden to defeat Macho Man Randy Savage. The attack and its result was a preview for WrestleMania II, the main event between Hogan and Bundy on April 7th in Los Angeles Sports Arena. A little over one year later, at WrestleMania II, Hogan was once again the headliner toppling the massive 468-pound King Kong Bundy in a thrilling steel cage match. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in Hulk Hogan's private gym, where he right now is going through workouts in preparation for his title defense as part of WrestleMania against King Kong Bundy. In case you don't know the reasons for this match, let me take you back to Phoenix, Arizona, the Veterans Memorial Coliseum, on that occasion, Hulk Hogan had a very, very important title defense on Saturday night's main event. Heenan, this goal from behind that Bundy. Where did he come from? Wham! King Kong Bundy to the rescue. He looks like the Calvary McMahon. Bundy, out of the blue. We saw him earlier. And look, oh no. Double team coming up. Look, Morocco holding on to the Hulk's arms. Morocco's got the champion held against the... In this business, I've always said for you to be a man event guy, you have to either be so big that nobody will believe it if you get beat. You have to have so much hair on your body like George Ann will steal you look like a monster. You have to have big, dumpy legs. Or, I mean, something. Bundy had everything. He was huge. He was a monster. People were always reacting when you drop an elbow on you. Rah! The whole arena would explode like the rock was dropping the people's elbow on you if he body slammed you. The whole arena would explode like Yokozuna was dropping a leg on you. He was easy to work with as far as crowd reaction, but in the ring, when you came out of the ring after you worked with him, you knew you had been in there. And so I just knew whenever I went in there with him, I was going to come out and I would be in different physical shape than I went in there. And I knew that's something that you had to deal with. But he's a great guy. He's just strong as hell. The champion continued to steamroll his opponents no matter how big or how skilled they may have been. Yet one opponent remained for Hogan to conquer in order to lay claim to being the very best in the world. The special stipulation, a cage would surround the ring. Hogan beat Bundy to retain his WWF title. He teamed with the Junkyard Dog in Providence to beat the Fugs on NBC's Saturday Night's main event. To Roddy, Roddy Piper. This week with us we have the... West Indies wrestler by the name of Gamma Singh, a fellow who has uh, wrestled a lot, of course, in India, where you come from. And, wait a second. 
Wait a second, what are you doing here? Man? What are you doing? Mr. Piper, I think you've been making fun of me. Making fun of you? No, whoa! Whoa, 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 what do you say? Damn this thing, just shoot, shoot for a second. Shoot fly, shoot fly. Wait a second, have a seat here, have a seat. I ain't making fun of you. Come here, come here and sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down, sit down, come here and sit down. I wasn't making fun of you. Come here and sit down. Take that hat off, first of all, show a little respect. Take that hat off. I ain't making fun of you. I ain't making fun of you. I was just trying to get you to decide to come with, with a man like myself that could take you someplace. Here you're making a hero for yourself, and I could do something for you. Mr. Piper, I've, I've decided to go with the best. All right! It's about time you decided to go with the best. You decided to go with myself. I'll take you places you've never been. I've, I've decided to go with the best. Wait, 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 wait. I'll take you places, make you money that you have never made before in your entire life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start training. I've decided to go with the best, but, but, but you don't understand. It's, I'm going with the best, and that's Mr. Hulk Hogan. Put that hat back on like the man you are. You don't have to take that hat off for these guys. Piper, you're out. He's my man now. Nobody does this to me. Nobody does this to me. Nobody. He's mine. He's mine. I created him. Same thing happens all the Nobody does this to me. Let me tell you something. You will pay. You will pay the piper. That's stupid. The date was May 3rd of 1986. The Hogan-Paul Orndorff feud came to a crescendo in Toronto on August 28th of 1986. More than 70,000 fans paid $1.2 million in Canadian funds packing Exhibition Stadium to see the two battle. It was a new record, and at the time, nearly doubling the previous. Hogan won the match by disqualification and retained his world title. Well, Jesse, I don't think I have ever seen a Hulkster more psyched up for a match. Well, this whole deal with Paul Orndorff got way out of hand. He's very competitive. He lived in Florida, about 30 miles away at Brandon, rival high school. They called him the Brandon Bolt. He was in high school. He was just like he did when he was wrestling main events. He was like a grown man in high school. Had a notorious reputation in football. Basic good street fighter in the old days when you drink beer and go to the drive and fight over girls. And, you know, when we get in the ring, it was that Florida boy redneck mentality. You know, this old Terry Boyer from South Tampa, the whole Hogan that is against Paul Orndorff. So we would take it to the extreme. We'd really beat the hell out of each other in there. Just a wonderful guy to go oh, no. McMahon, what a tremendous match this is so far. Zorndorf now being thrown from pillar to post. Here comes the Hulkster. And now Orndorf with a right hand to the front. Paul Orndorf going to work on champion Hulk Hogan. I totally am insane Ooh, look right at now. Orndorf should have been disqualified already. Ooh. Orndorf thus far tonight has really been attacking the head and throat area of the champion. There's certain places you can hit guys wide open. One of them is not the back of the neck, the base of the skull. And I told him to lay off. I said, brother, you know, you hurt me really bad. Um, and he persisted, so I started exchanging the same way. A block, a right-hand retaliation, and another. Wow, and another. Hogan Hogan somehow, somehow Hogan found it in him to stop Mr. Wonderful. And the elbow to the head, and yes, look at the look. Hulkster knows that he's close to successfully retaining his title. A right hand. Orndorff in bigger trouble. 
Well, Hogan's definitely turned the tide here, McMahon. I gotta give him credit. Paul Orndorff goes to his own medicine. Yeah. Oh, I have to feel good for the champion. I have to feel so good. Twenty thousand strong in the Richfield Coliseum. The Hulkster has been back, and you have to admit successfully defend this title. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, Mr. Wonderful. I like that idea, man. The supreme part of professional wrestling is the cage, man. Let it be the judge. No holes barred in the steel cage. Who look at that? Orndorff upside down. The champion wraps him into the cage. Uh, and again. Look at that! He's choking out Mr. Wonderful with a headband! Look at that! That bandana means absolutely nothing! Both men will probably never be the same after this match is over! Champion Hogan hammering away! Hit again! Off the ropes! Here comes the champion! Boom! Bobby Wayne hit it, making a move to get into the cage! Big right hand by Hogan, another right hand! Look at this! He didn't rip through the cage! Oh! Boom. To this day, my neck and hands are numb, and I attribute all that that to dealing with Paul Orndorff on a consistent basis because we did so much business, drew so much money, people wanted to see it, and it was they were very in very intense matches. Orndorff and Hogan wrestled throughout the rest of the year, sometimes up to thirteen times a month. In October '86, Hogan teamed with the with the famous Crusher Lazowski in Milwaukee at the Mecca Arena to defeat King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. He beat Orndorff in a cage match on January 3rd of '87 in Hartford. Later in the month, fans of the sport witnessed one of the most stunning turns in pro wrestling history. You know, sooner or later, someone is going to come along, and it's going to be a bad night for Andre the Giant. One of these days, unless you retire undefeated, one of these days, someone will defeat you. I know. Just before I was Andre the Giant, was not the guy. Before me, was Don Leo Jonathan. He was the biggest one. Right. Now, I'm the biggest one, and. Even Don Leo Jonathan told me, he said, someday you're going to find a guy who going to do what you did, what you did to me. And uh, I know that's going to happen someday, maybe now, but I'm, I'm ready for that. You know, I understand that. Well, that's the thing. You have to be ready for it. You have to be ready for it all. It seems to me the different type person that they're going to give you. Some are really, really big men. Some are strong. Some uh, would be more rotund. Some would have more speed. Some would have more agility and things of that nature. You've got to take... Back there, we're listening to what this big monstrosity is talking about. He's this and he's that. So he's seven foot five. So he's undefeated. So he's tough. But I've got a man right here that is equal. In fact, he's superior to this big giant here. Look at him glaring at my man. My man will snuff him up one nostril and blow him out the other. Undefeated. Undefeated for what? Every guy that this guy's wrestled, my man has gone right in behind him and defeated the man that you defeated in less time than you defeated. You think you're so tough and everything. All right, wait a minute. Let me take that too, Andre. Andre, Fred Blassie claims that, that Hulk Hogan has defeated every man that you have defeated, but it took him less time to do that. Your reaction to that? I know. We have to come in one point. We have to go in the ring together. Well, because he said he's undefeated, but I'm the one that undefeated here only two, okay? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you say? I said if Andre's got any guts, he'll agree to wrestle my man next week. Anytime you want. And oh, I, I accept want that challenge. I want it. I, I want it. I want it. I want it. I accept that challenge. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. Do you know what this means? Andre has proven himself worldwide. If Hulk Hogan 
is up to this. If Hulk Hogan can, as he apparently thinks he can defeat Andre the Giant, he will become the biggest man literally as well as figuratively in pro wrestling today. That's right. The eighth wonder of the world will be demolished. That's right. He's going to demolish the eighth wonder of the world. And I- you better be here next week because I'll be here and I'm ready for that match. All right. If you think we're gonna, not going to be here, you're crazy. He's a hoot owl. All right, Hulk Hogan, let me have you if we may, please. Mr. Hogan. Wait just a minute. If we could. Now, wait, gentlemen, please. This is not the time and this is not the place, please. A challenge has been made for next week. Andre has accepted that challenge, but please, let's not have anything here. Thank you very much. Now, Hulk Hogan. This is a shining moment of glory, Hulk Hogan. I can tell you that. You give me that favor all the time. Can I ask you one favor? Yes. Why are we not going to ring right now? Well, I'll tell you. Hogan was confronted by Andre the Giant on WWF television during an edition of Piper's Pit with Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura. While Hogan spoke, Andre disappeared only to return with Bobby Heenan. A challenge was made but Hogan stated that the two were friends. They couldn't wrestle each other. Roddy, Roddy, Hunter. We got something special for you. You doing this here, this pick, this will probably be, but it will be one of the last picks you'll ever see. And uh, I want you to know something. I want you to know something that my all my life I've given it 110% and come two weeks WrestleMania, I'm fighting Adrian Adonis, and if he don't cut my hair, I'm going to cut his hair. The only thing he's going to need is a bell and a sheet, and he can go around ringing bells, because he's going to be the ugliest thing you ever did see. Oh, because I'll tell you one thing, brother. One thing in this match here, I ain't going out a loser. There will be no retreat and there will be no surrender in this match two weeks from now. I have another person. I have another person whose career. I'm off to Hollywood is what I'm going to do. Make movies. The other fella in this has a problem also. He has got two weeks left. His name is the world's heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. Don't look good on you, Sam. You know, I heard you rap on here, man. I heard you talking about Adrian Adonis. And I know Roddy Roddy Piper. You earned the name Roddy Roddy Piper. And there ain't no way that you would let any fat boy put a sleeper on you and make Roddy Roddy Piper lay down. And I'll tell you something. Since I only got two weeks left, I'm going to say something from the bottom of my heart. They'd have to bury you six feet under the ground to get that belt off you, man. But wait a second. Wait, please. Please, this is, this is probably the most important shit i ever done. There's all kinds of people out there saying that you don't stand a chance. They're saying this guy is seven foot five. Andre the Giant is 500 pounds. Andre 
the Giant has never been defeated. Andre the Giant is going to beat you. You don't stand a chance. You're the underdog. They're putting you down like nothing I have ever seen before. Man. I know how big he is, man. The whole world knows how big he is. I'm not saying I'm bigger than him. We don't even know how strong he really is. I don't know if I can pick him up at, but I'll try. That's the difference. I'll try. And you know, when I saw him out there with Bobby the Weasel Heenan, I knew he was different. We're fighting for different reasons, man. He's out there with the weasel. He's changed, man. It's the money, the ego, the grief, everything the weasel stands for. And I'm fighting for all those Hulkamaniacs, that whole generation of Hulkers. When he dug down on Piper Pit and ripped my shirt and my crucifix off, he tore the heart and the souls out of all those little Hulkers. And I'll get you for that, Andre the Giant. Andre intensified the request by ripping the shirt off Hogan's back. With the shirt went Hogan's golden chain and cross. Plain and simple, Andre wanted a shot at the WWF world title. The challenge was not expected. And what made it even more of a special event, or even more dramatic, was the fact we saw blood dripping from Hogan's chest as the cross by accident, which worked out perfectly for the storyline, cut Hogan's chest. So you saw the blood, a little bit of blood dripping from his chest as Hogan held that cross. It was such a simple maneuver on the part of Andre, but it made such an impact. Again, you need something so simple to make a large impact. You don't need to blow up cars or uh, threaten uh, someone's death or murder. Something simple. Former friend Andre the Giant wanted the World Heavyweight Championship, wanted the WWF title. He wanted to take it from Hogan. And in turn, he ripped off Hogan's shirt with his cross, holding his demandments to prove that he means business. It was a serious segment, and it made an impact for a future Hall of Fame main event. I'll tell you what, I'm giving the people of Michigan and the officials at the Silverdome a lot of credit. We can do along with, uh, with President Tunney. Okay, you know, gentlemen, 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 please. We are here for the most auspicious signing for any heavyweight title match in history, as you all know. Let me introduce, just for the record, some of the dignitaries who are with us at this time for this historic event. First of all, Bobby the Brain Heenan, representing the challenger, the eighth wonder of the world from Grenoble, France, Andre the Giant. To my right, the heavyweight champion of the world from Venice Beach, California, Hulk Hogan. And to my immediate left, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Jack Tunney. Mr. Tunney, get on with the proceedings. Would you please sign on the dotted line, Mr. Rusimov? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down here, Mr. Tunney, Mr. President. A few things I want to go over with you first. Fine. When we had a discussion about this championship belt, yes. I want a new championship belt. That's a great... This one was made and designed for this human being, and I use that term very, very loosely. I want one made that will fit a man, fit a giant of a man, somebody that can represent the world of professional wrestling, not like this man. And another thing, I just want you to get one thing straight, Hogan. 
Fifteen years this man's gone undefeated. The three years you've been world champion, you've talked behind his back. You've laughed at him. You never once gave this man an opportunity. Now he's got that opportunity. Sign it if you're going to sign it. Sign under his name, Mr. Elgin. I'll sign a lot of things. Signed a lot of contracts. I never thought it would come to this. Thought it was you, man. But it's both of you. You're both sick. You're both sick. If you wanted a title shot, all you had to do was ask me. I'd have gave you anything, man. Andre, you were bigger than the world title to me. Yeah, I'll sign it. I'm gonna get your attention too in WrestleMania. When you tore my shirt off, man, when you tore the cross, you tore the heart and soul out of all the little hogsters, man. Not just me. We're gonna get your attention, man. Yeah, we're gonna get your attention. Now you sign that contract. You think I tell you everything you know in professional wrestling? But I didn't. And believe me, WrestleMania 3 will be your last lesson. It's ça m'a fait vraiment plaisir de faire trois mois. Speak to me in English when you talk to me. As far as I'm concerned, it's not signed in ink. It's signed in blood. If you want me to speak in English, I will speak in the ring in WrestleMania. For a while. Promoters did understand that a Hogan-Andre main event could break records. It was perfect timing. WrestleMania 3 was ahead, and the venue was going to be the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, a facility with a wrestling capacity of over 90,000. The match was signed and words were exchanged. On March 29, 1987, the two stepped into the ring together. I thought I could get as big as Andre. I idolized the guy, even though he was... A giant, you know, I wasn't stupid, I wasn't an ignorant person, but I just looked up at this guy so much. You know, I knew I could never be seven foot four, but I just thought that, I mean, I wanted to be that big. Like, if you beat Andre, nobody would believe it. You know, he's so big. So that was my goal, was to be the biggest, strongest there could be, and hopefully be more impressive than Andre. But along with that came my verbiage that expressed that, and that was a direct threat to Andre. The next time, Andre, you and I lock up, not only will you feel Hulkamania, not only will you feel a 24-inch python, the psych, the thousands, the millions of Hulkamaniacs, the big brother upstairs on my side, I'm going to steal all the power I can, man, because you've got to play this one straight, man. To be the world champion, you've got to beat me face to face. You've got to put me on my back, brother. And when you're on top of that mountain, when you feel the real power of Hulkamania, don't slip and fall, brother, because it's a long way down. Weighing in at 294 pounds is the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan! The roof of the Superdome about to explode here! As the Hulkster greets, and he's 93,000 plus, greet him, you're looking at the greatest professional athlete in the world today, the world's heavyweight champion. For right now, Gorilla, he may not 
be a few moments from now. Let me run it down. Hogan, 6'8", 294, neck 21, chest 58, biceps and a phenomenal 24 inches, forearms 18, wrists 9 inches, hands 13 and a half, thighs 30 and a half, calves 20, the tail of the tape. A phenomenal individual. And Hulkamania, look at it, Jeff. It's alive and running well. You got 93,173 fans standing on their feet for this one, Gorilla. And I hope my voice holds up. It's holding up just fine, Jess. And look at the Hulkster. What an unbelievable individual he is. And what a representative as the world's heavyweight champion. This is the biggest match in the history of professional wrestling. No question. Andre now with an Irish whip in. He got a hook flipped underneath that. Oh, he dropped out the big guy. Look at Heenan. He's been out of shape. That's the first time I think that the Giants ever been knocked off his feet like that. Look at the look on the face of the champion. He's hooking up, Jess. He's got enough left in him. That adrenaline can do wonders. We're seeing what this guy is really made of. What he is. The greatest professional athlete in the world today. Look at this. He's landed. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, dropping a big leg. Over for the cover. He's on Unbelievable. Hogan stunned fans by body slamming his opponent and getting the pinfall victory. A special legacy was passed between the two athletes. Hogan was not only carrying the world championship of the World Wrestling Federation, but a defeat of the unbeatable giant. There was not a doubt in the world. Hogan was the number one man. He was single-handedly putting the organization over. You know, the, the crowd was there. They were expecting 94,000 people or 93,000, whatever. They were expecting something huge. Andre had came off a huge back surgery. He was in a lot of pain. And uh, we went to the airport, and he got on the scales, and you said over 600 pounds. He was actually closer to seven. Wow. He was around 685, 690 on the cargo scales at Northwest. And he had the back surgery, gained a lot of weight, and he came for that one match for the business to help me and to help the business. And it was different because he was in, a, in, a, in, a, in an indifferent mood. He was in a lot of pain, and I sat next to him in the dressing room. And we spent a lot of time talking. And, you know, it got to the point where I was asking him, you know, what do you want to do out of there? And, and every answer was, don't worry, boss. You know, don't worry. So I had no idea what was really going to happen. And when I tried to pick him up in the beginning, he sat down on me, you know, and I fell backwards with him. And so I kind of, like, forgot about it. And then halfway through the match, under his voice, he goes, slam. I'm like, what? <laughs> And he, he yelled at me again, you know, slam, and, I, and, I, and he came towards me. I got underneath him. I didn't get him way up here. And, but when I got him to here, I didn't think I'd turn him. I just said, 
the hell with it. And when I turned him, it's, you know, tore my back and it tore my bicep. It tore my delt in three places, but I turned him over. And uh, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he did that for the wrestling business to basically give me enough gas in my tank to help me carry on. So he did something that was very unselfish and, and you know, he taught me a lot about, you know, passing the torch. Wrestling has taken a tremendous impact on your body, and I know that you've always been listed at six foot seven. Yeah. Standing next to you now, you seem to be more around six four, six five. Is it actually true that you've shrunk due to a lot of the surgeries uh, on your on your back and on your knees? And I even hear that your tailbone is is curved from all the yeah. impact your spine's taken over the years. All of that is true. Wow. Um, and, um, and the house I grew up in was a very small two-bedroom wooden frame house and the one thing that my mother used to love to do was measure people if she you came to the, the house. notches on the wall yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Come, here, come here we want to measure you. everybody came to the house it didn't matter who she wanted to measure him so right when I first started wrestling and when I started working out with Hiro Matsuda she measured me on the wall barefooted and I was six foot seven and then uh, a few years before my dad passed away and then just recently my mom passed away Right before my dad passed away, I was having all kind of problems with my back, and I was walking sideways. And my mom was, "Come over here, we want to measure you." And I was six foot four, and it was thirty years of jumping up and landing on my butt with that leg drop, and you know I had had uh, a, a ton of problems, you know. And so now, after the knee replacement, the hip replacement, and now after I, I just had my eighth back surgery where they straightened me up. I'm a little wow. over six foot five now. Wow. So I've got back about an inch and a half. But I was six seven, and because of the 30 years of wrestling, of jumping up and landing on my butt every single night, yeah. and we were wrestling 300 days a year, I pretty much crushed and bent my spine. And, uh, you know, you, you learn so many things. We had a talk off camera earlier that you learn, you understand how much you don't yeah. know about this business the longer you're in it. And if I would have known what I know now, I would use the sleeper. Yeah. And yeah. I would have never taken a bump for a finish. In the history books, Hogan was establishing himself as a legend and at the same time changing the sport. There was a point in August of 1987 that the two most famous WWF competitors of all time teamed together for a match against King Kong Bundy and One Man Gang. Hogan and the living legend Bruno Sammartino teamed and won. His Survivor Series team on November 26th of 1987 lost, which was a surprise. The match occurred in Richfield, Ohio. Hogan had partnered with Paul Orndorff, Don Baracco, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Ken Patera against Andre the Giant, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Rick Rude, and the Natural Butch Reed. Hogan pinned Reed with the first elimination. Later in the bout, he was counted out of the out of the ring. Andre eventually won the match for his team before the an estimated twenty one thousand in attendance. In late nineteen eighty seven, Hogan formed a bond with Macho Man Randy Savage after Elizabeth brought the champion out to the ring to save him from an attack by the Hart Foundation and the Honky Tonk Man during Saturday night's main event. Hogan beat Sika in defense of his title. Going into the new year, word was that Ted DiBiase wanted to purchase the world heavyweight title. Hogan told the world on an edition of Superstars of Wrestling that he would never sell the title. DiBiase went a step further. He enlisted Andre the Giant to deliver him the, t the championship belt. 
A primetime special was held on February 5th of 1988 in Indianapolis Market Square Arena. Hogan met Andre for the World Championship. The bout was controversial from beginning to end, with several twists and turns. In the final moments, Andre pinned Hogan to win the belt. It was the first time Hogan had been pinned in more than four years. Hogan obviously kicked out of the pinfall, but referee Earl Hebner overlooked it. After the bout, Dave Hebner ran out and Hogan addressed both referees and the mistake. Andre, in the meantime, left with the championship. Minutes later, the belt was handed to DiBiase. Hulk Hogan, and I don't know what it is. Oh, wait a minute, coming back. Oh, look at this. 
Whoever that man is, he's high above the air. The Hulkster knows. Look out! Uh, Vince McMahon, Bedlam, and Pandemonium. Things in uh, somewhat of a chaotic state here. Hulk Hogan, I'm sure there's going to be a thorough investigation by the World Wrestling Federation into what happened here tonight, and I know you could not be any more disappointed. How much money did they spend on the plastic surgery, man? I had all bases covered. I had the Hulkamaniacs watching. DiBiase, I had Virgil in his place. Never in my wildest dreams, me, Gene, would I think that I would get ripped off by a penny pension two-timing referee. How much money on the plastic surgery? How much money did he spend to pay the referee off? When I turned around, me, Gene, they were identical. Identical. Right, right here, Holt. Here it Look is now. Look at the shoulder, brother. There. Look at the shoulder. That's the referee is paid off, brother. Look at the $100 bill falling out of his pocket. I know you're disappointed, right. Holt. Do you see it? Do you see where it is? Right there where I told you it would be. I told you people that I always get what I want. By hook or by crook, and I told you I would be the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. And look where it's at, Hogan. Thanks to this man right here. I am the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. That's right, Hogan. I told you. And I will not be a champion like you were. I will be a true champion all the way up and all the way down. Oh, I don't plan on coming down. But look at the way you did it, Hogan. Can you imagine this man going out and paying the money? You say everybody's got a price. What kind of money do you think Hogan had to spend to go out and get a Dave Hebner look-alike referee to come out in the ring and try to confuse the issue? Try to confuse the issue, but it's not going to work, Hogan. It's not going to work because here the title is and here the title will stay. Long reign, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. <laughs> Never before has there been such controversy to surround a World Wrestling Federation championship match. Despite having viewed time and again videotapes of the Hogan-Andre match, the decision of the referee is, as always, unfortunately final. Therefore, Hulk Hogan is not the World Wrestling Federation champion. However, it clearly states in the rule book that in order for a wrestler to be deemed a champion, he must either pin the reigning title holder or make him submit. That is the only way a wrestler can become champion. Therefore, unequivocally, I can state that Ted DiBiase is also not the World Wrestling Federation champion. Furthermore, it also clearly states in the rule book that a reigning champion may at any time in his tenure end his reign by publicly surrendering the title, which is exactly what happened when Andre the Giant presented the championship belt to Ted DiBiase. Therefore, Andre is also not the champion either. It is my decision that to be fair to the last two reigning champions of record, Hogan and Andre, and to furthermore be fair with the number one contenders who would have faced either Andre or Hogan as champion, I now declare the title vacant. Money had captured the WWF championship. President Jack Tunney decided that he was going to strip Andre of the title and declare the championship vacant. DiBiase's claim was null. 
in the record books, it does not show Ted DiBiase as world champion or WWF champion. It shows Andre the Giant as World Wrestling Federation champion, technically because DiBiase did not win the championship. The timing was right. WrestleMania 4 was on the horizon. The bracket pairings for the WWF World Title Tournament was announced by officials on February 12th. The setup had Andre wrestling the Hulkster, the two favorites in a match during the second round. Both men received a bye because of the previous status as champion. Later on, officials decided to change the pairings and set up Ted DiBiase versus Jim Duggan for the upper bracket instead of the lower. So, if Hogan won and DiBiase did the same, the two would meet in the semis. To advance, Hogan would have to beat Andre with DiBiase and Virgil in his corner, and then DiBiase with Andre and Virgil in his corner. It was two three-on-one matches, by himself. At a television taping for an upcoming edition of Saturday Night's Main Event on March 7th of 1988 in Nashville, Hogan wrestled former eight-time NWA World Champion Harley Race. With the tournament less than a month away, Hogan's thoughts were not with Race, and if the match had been held while Harley was in his prime, Hogan would have been solely concentrated on him. Hogan ended up beating Race that night. Also, on that show, Savage wrestled DiBiase. During the contest, the referee was knocked out and both Andre and DiBiase beat on Savage. The odd man out was counted out. Elizabeth ran to the dressing room and retrieved Hogan, who chased everyone away. The Savage Hogan-DiBiase-Andre feud was about to peak. And that was the start of one of the greatest feuds ever in the history of professional wrestling. We talked about it, I believe, on our very first Epic Encounter edition, the feud between the Macho Man Randy Savage and the Immortal Hulk Hogan began, technically, you could say, the very first night they became friends. But on television, the feud began that night when we saw Savage and Hogan take on DiBiase and Andre. That will wrap up part two of the Hulkamania Chronicles, and part three will feature the Mega Powers Explode. Beyond the Bell is the show for all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Every week, we go old school as we rewind and relive the best and worst in sports entertainment. Each show is archived at beyondthebell.podbean.com as well as on iTunes. Beyond the Bell is a part of the powerful SNS radio network that is headlined by Wrestling News Live. You can catch a new episode every week at snsradionetwork.com. If you're not listening, you're not trying. Beyond the Bell has gone mobile, fans. You can now listen to the new and archived episodes of Beyond the Bell on your mobile device via the Stitcher app. Stitcher is a leading mobile audio company that provides a revolutionary media service which allows audio content to be easily aggregated, organized, and shared on mobile devices. Download it from the App Store on iTunes or the Android Market. Ringannouncing.com is the official website for BTB host ring announcer Sean Beckerman. For videos, 
audio, and more, go to www.ringannouncing.com. You can find all videos as well at youtube.com forward slash ringannouncing. So our YouTube channel for all videos that can be seen at ringannouncing.com is also found at youtube.com forward slash ringannouncing. Follow myself, Sean Beckerman, on Twitter at Sean Beckerman, S-E-A-N-B-E-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, and become a fan of ring announcer Sean Beckerman on Facebook. For all questions, comments, suggestions, and hate mail, you can contact the show at btbwrestling at gmail.com. Remember to tune into the Beyond the Bell Control Center for all future programming. The Beyond the Bell Revolution is growing. Be a part of it. Welcome, fans, to the Beyond the Bell Control Center. Yes, the Control Center is back, and it is not TBS, and this is not Gordon Soli. Replace TBS with SNS, and Gordon Soli with Sean Beckerman, and you have your Beyond the Bell Control Center. This is where we bring you the programming for the month of October on Beyond the Bell via the SNS Radio Network. October is Fright Fest Month, featuring all things nostalgia in professional wrestling. This month's content features The Hulkster continues to run wild as the Hulkamania Chronicles returns. In this series, we look back at the illustrious career of the pro wrestling icon and how he came to be the immortal one. This month features the beginning of Hulkamania, starting from his WWF Championship victory over the Iron Sheik. Listen to retro audio throughout the 80s era of Hulkamania. So, remember to say your prayers and eat your vitamins for part two of the Hulkamania Chronicles. Class is in. WCW 101 has begun. The history of World Championship Wrestling features a detailed timeline of WCW from the early NWA era to the dying days of the promotion. This month, we will open up our textbooks to Chapter 2, the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. So make sure you take good notes as the WCW 101 course continues on Beyond the Bell. As Halloween approaches, BTB looks back at the Tales of Terror, the most memorable moments in Halloween Havoc history. This three-part series looks back at the most shocking, memorable, and frightening moments in the history of the horrific event in chronological order. From the Chamber of Horrors to Hogan Warrior II, BTB covers it all in this spooky three-part edition. Also this month, There are superstars that made us go bump in the night. From Abdullah the Butcher and Papa Shango to the Boogeyman, this edition looks back and relives the scariest stars of all time. This edition also looks back at the scariest entrance themes in history. So put your costumes on and get ready for Scary Stars, the scariest wrestlers in professional wrestling. Or they'll be coming to get you. Wrestling fans, buckle up for Fright Fest Month at Beyond the Bell on the SNS Radio Network. Get ready to rewind and relive the greatest and worst in the world of professional wrestling. For the Beyond the Bell Control Center, this is ring announcer Sean Beckerman signing off, and we will see you at the matches. Wrestling fans, that will do it for this week's edition 
of Beyond the Bell, the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. As we rewind and relive all things retro in wrestling, like all those ours, huh? And we relive classic moments in the history of sports entertainment. We'll end things off with our old school theme of the week, which will be Hulk Hogan's first official theme song when he won the world championship, the WWF title. It was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor as we finish things off for this week's classic edition of the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Show, Beyond the Bell. We'll see you next week, fans, as we relive all things retro in wrestling. It was so nice, had to say it twice. Good night, everybody.
We hear some stories about the true badass guys away from the ring. Guys, pro wrestlers that were really badasses that could kick your ass in a street fight. Over your time, who were some of the genuine badasses? I mean, I heard stories that Haku back in the day was a legitimate badass behind yeah. the scenes. Who was the greatest badass in, in your opinion? Uh, Haku, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, Andre, no one ever tried him or tested him. He was just, you know, I, he was just... Andre boxed for a while. Andre was a Golden Gloves boxer. Plus, he just, he's not even... He couldn't compare him to another human being, you know. Andre was uh, a force to be reckoned with. Um, Sweet Hansen, an older wrestler when I first came into business, was pretty well, well respected by a lot of people. And uh, Brad Riggins, as far as taking care of himself, was really good at uh, taking care of himself. And one, one, a really tough kid that we ran into, I became really good friends with, um, a kid named Kevin Kelly. Mm-hmm was a legitimate badass. I heard a story about how Haku once attacked Brutus backstage, and if it hadn't been for you intervening, that Haku may have just gone to town on Brutus. True or false? I wasn't there. No? I never saw that. <laughs> True that Haku took someone's eye out once? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, saw him bite some guy's, and I guess some guy's nose off. Beat a guy's nose off? Yeah, a little chunk, spit it back at him. <laughs> Fans, ring announcer Sean Beckerman here. Want to go back in time and relive the greatest and worst in the world of sports entertainment? From all-time favorite matches to the worst gimmicks in pro wrestling, we cover it all. So join us each and every week on the SNS Radio Network as we go beyond the bell.